not know why Jesus came to die. So he wrote this book. It's, it's real short chapters, uh, about two or three pages. So um, pick it up. I believe it's like $10. Um, but not sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for another opportunity to minister your word to your people. I pray that you'll grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe. Father, grant unto me your son and your slave, supernatural divine utterance that I may boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. Give me holy boldness. I pray, Father, that I will speak as the mouthpiece of God, that I may bring forth your word with clarity, with understanding and power. May we walk away from this sermon not only challenged, but changed by the word of God. We will be strengthened by your spirit and have a greater understanding of this cross that we are, um, are saved through. And, uh, and, and thank you, Father. Thank you for this. And Lord, we do lift up all the members who are not here, who are traveling or out of state or at home. We pray that you minister to them. I pray that you encourage them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The power of the cross. I was trying to come up with a creative title, but that didn't work. <laughs> um, had to work late last night and um, had some challenges there. <laughs> so, um, let's continue. So, this cross that we sing about, that we preach about, that we're saved through, um, the cross casts its shadow on Christ's birth to his death. His death was central to his mission. So Jesus came to die. I mean, he, he came to die. I mean, that was, we, we know that. And we know that the cross is necessary for our salvation, that without it, we are lost. And I don't know about you, but there seems to be a lack of understanding of the cross. How many would say that you can use more understanding of this cross? And yet it's central to our faith. It's the foundation. Um, years ago, I believe I was in junior high or high school, the Lord spoke to my heart. I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't see a vision, but just to my heart that I needed to study the cross. And, and so I didn't know where to start. I went to Isaiah 53, and I went to the four, the four accounts in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John at the end where it talks about Jesus going to the cross the night before the cross and him being betrayed. But outside of that, I didn't know where else to start. And, um, and then as I got older, I, I didn't obey that um, to study the cross. I, I studied faith. I studied healing. I studied prosperity. I studied the power of confession and so forth. I studied, um, you know, things that were relevant to me at that time, what I thought was relevant to me. But I didn't know and understand the cross until years later. And I went to the bookstore, Christian bookstore, to buy books about the cross. Um, I think that door is locked. <laughs> um, 
We locked people in the church. <laughs> uh, so I went, and, and it wasn't until later on um, that I was able to um, grow my understanding of the cross and, and got a hold of some books and, and sermons dealing with the cross. And, and I, I just feel that there, there's such a great need uh, for us as a, as a body of believers to study the cross. When I went to the bookstore, I found books about um, self-help, how to have a better marriage, how to ha get out of debt God's way, how to um, have blessed children, uh, and all these great books, you know, and, and, and some of them are profitable, some of them you don't need to read. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to focus on the books that you don't need to read, but, you know, you get the picture. And then I think that there needs to be more songs and more books about the cross. And needs to, that was something that was uh, pervasive in the earlier church. You, you heard it constantly, constantly hearing about the cross. And whereas today we, we, we have different um, messages that are being preached, but that, that's not the cross. I was at a workshop, uh, an educate, educator workshop this weekend, and the presentation, I went to uh, a workshop and they were dealing with inspirational speakers. So they were talking about, you know, um, being pervasive, uh, persuasive in your speech and as educators and you're selling concepts. Everybody know that we're, everybody is a salesperson, right? You know, uh, whether you're a teacher or you, you know, you're selling something. When you go for a job interview, what do you do? You, you're trying to sell yourself, right? I got a job interview tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I don't even know why I even <laughs> applied for the job, but I just did it, and so I'm going to go for the job interview um, just for the experience. And um, this is probably making the, the 30th interview that I've been on since last year. But uh, I'm just going to go just for the experience and, and see if I get the job. I'm going to see if I can sell myself. <laughs> and so... We were, um, so on, in this education, uh, education um, workshop, the, guy, the lady was talking about inspiration and, and how we need to inspire students towards obtaining um, understanding. And she mentioned a preacher who was one of her inspirations that she listens to. And she says the preacher, he takes scriptures and he makes the scriptures relevant to my life. He makes them say things that originally they shouldn't say. I was like, that's a problem. <laughs> but um, yeah, so what is the cross? Why, why was it necessary? And what are we to do with the cross? I heard Fred Hammond wrote a song recently. Well, he put it on a rec recording recently called, What Are You Gonna Do With The Cross? And um, so what are we gonna do with it? How are we to see the implications of the cross in our lives? The cross needs to be understood. One of the songs that we sing is the power of the cross. The power of the cross is in what? The blood of Jesus. So the cross itself, there is no power to it. You do understand that. Um, again, I used to think that having the little cross, you know, you see those movies, and, and, and when something was, I thought was demonic, a dog having a seizure or something, I would just do a cross and nothing happened. Or if I was acting up and I, I do that and nothing happened, and I was like, what is going on? You know, 
Why is it that I don't have this power? Maybe I don't have Jesus on the cross like I saw in those movies. But there is no power in the cross itself, the symbol. But it's actually it's what it represents talking about the cross of Christ. Um, if we're going to ever get to know the God of the Bible, we got to understand the cross better. Um, Christ had us on his mind when he endured the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And I want to submit to you this morning that we are his joy. The scripture says in the Old Testament that we are the Lord's inheritance. We are his portions. That speaks of how valuable we are to God. Did you know that we're valuable to God? And, and, and as you see yourself through the lens of the cross, you see how valuable what it costs God to, for to obtain our salvation, to save us. And so Jesus had us on his mind. The significance of the brutal execution goes far beyond the immediate context, cultural context of the cross. It happened over 2,000 years ago, but we still see the power of it in 2015. So this cross is, is, is powerful. It, it, it reaches beyond time and, and into an eternity. The cross will affect your eternal state. What you do with it, whether you embrace it or you reject it, will determine where you'll end up for eternity. Um, the full meaning, meaning of the cross depends partially or partly on the unique identity of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus was man and God. He was the God man. In, a few, in the months to come, we're going to talk about the, the Trinity, the triune God. How, what do we do with this? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And yet there's one God and yet three persons of God. And we'll talk about that. But Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ is the death of someone who was perfectly human and divine. The death of Jesus on a cross, his execution by crucifixion, fulfilled the ancient promises by providing a permanent sacrifice of sin. So the cross speaks of a permanent sacrifice. Imagine a sacrifice that cannot be erased. And it's through that sacrifice that we are reconciled to God. Personal faith and trust in Christ and his cross gives us the ability to have forgiveness of sins. And so last week, Alan um, preached about um, um, the substitution and how Jesus is our substitution. So my first point is this. I want to focus on the necessity of the cross. The necessity, the necessity of the cross. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I mean, you got to say amen. Acts chapter, chapter 2, verse 22 through 24. It says, men of, I'm reading out of English Standard Version. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified 
and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So we see from the scripture that it was through the hands of wicked men that Jesus died. But yet God was behind the death. You know, God was orchestrating the death. Christianity is all about the cross. Um, the cross was the standard execution uh, in Roman times. The wooden beams were nailed together in the shape of a cross or a T. We're unsure about how it looks. Of course, everybody wants to do the little T, but some have even suggested that it was like this, and others have suggested that it was like that. But as believers, we identify with the cross. You know, we, we've been crucified with Christ, according to Galatians chapter 2, 20, 2, chapter 2, verse 20. The cross is necessary, and some believe it is not. Isaiah 53, verse 3, let's go over there. Isaiah 53, verse 3, the power of the cross. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, it says, he was despised, rejected by men. Do you believe that Jesus was despised? He was rejected by all men. That, that's just profound to me. That here, the creator, we know that God created the world through his son, Jesus, and yet he is despised above all people. Um, the Bible actually says that there was no beauty that we, we should behold him. There was nothing beautiful about Jesus specifically about when he was taken up on the sins of the, of the whole world. There was nothing that was attractive about Jesus on that cross. If we were to see a glimpse of that cross, I, I think that we probably would, would be offended at what we saw. Some historians believe that he was naked. And that here's Jesus, the creator of the world, on the cross, taking upon the very thing that he hates. And so he says he was despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. There was nothing about Jesus on the cross that was attractive to men and women. And so when we talk about this, we're talking about something that, that the world is offended by. And even some professing Christians. The cross is unpopular. Even in today, I remember um, we had a guest, um, one of our friends from Colorado came and, and she, she doesn't know the Lord. But she listens to certain preachers because it gives them the inspiration that they long for. And she says, the reason why your church ain't growing is because you're preaching suffering. You're not preaching good messages to make you feel good. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm saying, well, this is not the gospel according to the Bible. It is a message of suffering. We see man falling from grace in Genesis, and we see sin enter into the world and suffering as a result of that sin. And part of Christianity is to suffer. Um, when we talk about following Jesus, we're not talking about 
saying a prayer and, and everything's okay. But we're talking about understanding the crucifixion and applying it to your life by dying to yourself. Uh, so to this morning, my tradition that I got from my mom and my dad growing up is I blast gospel music in the mornings. And on a good day, I mean, not a good day, but on a day that I feel like listening to Stevie Wonder, I'll put Stevie Wonder or something. Unchristian. <laughs> but I'm preparing to go to church, right? <laughs> and so I'm, I'm blasting a song by Kiki Sheard called Invisible, you know? And I'm like, wow, this is so good. So I repeat it. And I start thinking about the lyrics. Lord, make me invisible. I said, wow, he's not going to do that. God is not going to make us invisible. I hear the spirit in which she's singing, Lord, increase so that I can decrease. But when people see us, they see us. They don't see the physical Jesus. So, Lord, how do I manage it? How do I deal with that? And this is, these are the thoughts that were coming to my mind, that God never calls us to disappear. He uses us to fulfill his plan. But we people see us, right? They don't see Jesus in the flesh. So, but yet he calls us to be crucified with Christ. So we are responsible of managing our crucifixion. God gets glory out of frail and weak flesh. And he uses what is imperfect to present a perfect message. So there is no God make us invisible. It's that God make us more like Christ and help us to manage our crucifixion to the flesh so that you can get glorified even when we mess up. And I was thinking, I said, wow, I told Courtney, she's like, that's a book. You need to write that. Oh, you need to preach that. But we'll see. <laughs> so this cross, this cross is something that we have to take hold of. The cross is the universal symbol for Christians. As believers, we're not, to, we're not to idolize the cross. We're not to worship the cross, but worship the Christ of the cross. The cross is necessary. It is vital. Some believe that it's not. The cross is necessary to fulfill God's plan. God was behind the cross, fulfilling his plan for humanity. Where there, where, wherever the cross disappears, religion disappears. For there is, no, there is no Christianity without the cross. There is no Christianity without the cross. So if we don't take and embrace the cross, we won't have the real Christ. We won't have true salvation. According to Matthew 26, verse 38 through 39, Christ, his humanity was wondering, Lord, is there another way to fulfill your plan? And yet he says, nevertheless, not I, but you. Uh, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And we know, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 32, if God spared not his only son for us, how much more shall he give us freely all things? So God's plan was to save his people through the cross of Christ. One died, one had to die so that many could live. So Christ represented all of us, and yet he was perfect, and God placed our sins upon him so that we can be saved. 
Christ died to sin so that we could live unto God. It was the purpose of God to crucify his own son. I mean, he crucified him. He really, really crushed him. The cross was the most evil deed ever committed in all times. And God's own perfect and sinless son died in our place by the hands of wicked men. At the same time, the crucifixion of Jesus was the best thing that ever happened on this planet. Yet it was the most evil thing that ever happened, and yet it was the, most, uh, it was the best thing that ever happened. Blood was shed to restore humanity back to fellowship with God the Father. Christ died for us. I want this to sink into you, into your hearts and your minds. Christ died for us. He did not die for himself. He did not die for himself. I mean, that is so simple, yet I, tripped o- I trip over that. But let's take it one step further. He died for our sins, and yet he died for our individual sins. When we hear he died for our sins, I think because we've heard it, most of us heard it since we were little kids, we don't apply that for us individually. But think about the things that you have committed. What was the sin, what some of the sins that you've committed within the last 24 hours? I'm going to tell you one of mine. Um, Working at um, a wonderful company and a customer came up and um, they wanted to have a um, car, but I had so much other to do. I, I, I was like, you know what? We don't really have any cars right now available. And I said, I am lying. So I was like, well, actually, I'm sorry, we do. <laughs> what do you need? Um, and, and I use, I'm a new guy. I've been working at seven months, so I'm like, I'm a new guy. <laughs> I just started last few, few months. Um, and I repented, and I said, okay, Lord, I have to make this right. Um, this customer's getting on my nerves. Uh, I, I want to give them the worst car, the smallest car, but I have to do right because one day I'm going to be on the other side of the counter, maybe in a couple weeks, and I want people to do me right. So I go, and I, and I, I want to wow them. That was one of my sins last night, and, and I was like, Lord. And then I had the temptation there was a car stolen, I think, from us last night. It was my fault. And, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to jail. And um, so I'm texting my vault manager late, at, late last night. And I'm like, hey, listen, where, do you have this car? You take cars home every day. Do you have this car? No. And I'm like, oh, man. So I said, well, let me let you know this car is missing. I think it's stolen. Okay, you have to be 1,000% sure. I think it's stolen. I really do. So I called everybody else at midnight. I'm like, yo, I'm sorry to wake you up, but did you, was this car here today? No, no. It was here. It was here. So I go and look, and I said, okay. So I just told the truth. I said, I think I dropped the keys. I think somebody picked up the keys and took the car. So I just put it out there. So he, he, he texted me this morning and just like, LOL or ha, 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 or something like that. I was okay, he's not talking about it. I'm not going to talk about it today. I'm going to leave it alone. And I'm like, God, um, I have to do what's right. I have to own my sins. And we as believers have to own our sins. When we mess up, we have to confess up. I messed up. I did that very thing that you told me not to do. I lied. I cheated. I mistreated someone. I talked about somebody. I did talk about some customers last night. I mean, I ran them to the, I said, man, these people think that they're better than us. 
God, deal with my heart. And really, it's a reflection of my own heart that I'm seeing in them, of them being prideful. Well, I, well, I automatically get a free upgrade. I'm like, no, you don't. But I'm feeling like there are times that I feel this way, whether I go out to eat or something, I don't think of others. And I'm saying, God, deal with me. There was this wealthy couple that came the other day, and the guy, co-worker, was trying to get them engaged and, and, and do jokes, and I didn't laugh. I had a stone face, and I was despising them because I thought they were coming with pride, arrogance. And he told a joke to them, and it was funny, so I smiled, and the wife was like, you got this guy to smile. I'm like, man, Lord, I, this is not representing Christ. I automatically assumed they were going to be full of pride because they were, I mean, they, you smell wealth when they walked in the room. I said, oh, God. I'm in the presence of somebody who makes a lot of money. Oh, God. So I automatically assumed they were evil. And I'm like, and when she said that, I'm like, okay, God, I, forgive me. I could have made their day. They could have wrote a check and paid off my debts. <laughs> but that's not what I'm repenting. <laughs> but you can touch them. <laughs> and, but we, we all have to look at our sins, and we have to admit and own our sins. It says, I did this. When you mess up, run to the cross. Say, I messed up. I lied. I gossiped. Next time you're tempted to gossip about somebody and you do gossip, I challenge all of us to go to that person and say, hey, I was talking about you. <laughs> Next time you're, you, you're, you are tempted to lie and you do lie, go to that person and say, I lied. That will stop you from lying and gossiping on people every time. I'm not going to ask for people who want to commit to that. But I'm telling you, if you make an adjustment that says, I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to gossip, I'm not going to lie, and then when I do, maybe write out a contract between you and Jesus and sign it and put the date and go to that person. If I do that, Jesus, I will go to that person and tell them I was talking about them. I think that that will change our lives. Well, at least we know they're honest. <laughs> I mean, this is trips me out about my wife. Uh, I remember one time somebody was playing for her, and she felt like they were having had some kind of op. She says, wait a minute. We're not going to sing anymore until we get this right. What do you mean? And she confirmed, I'm like, could you just do, have done that after the service? But we need to be people who are owning our sins. And when we see the cross, we say, you know what? I messed up last night. I messed up a few minutes ago. And God, I confess. There is no forgiveness for those who cover their sins. You don't believe me. Go to Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13 doesn't seem to be the scripture. I think it's Proverbs 18. It's Proverbs 18 verse, um, nope, not 13. Okay, so there's a scripture <laughs> that says, he that covers his sins um, basically um, is a fool, but whoever confesses his sin and forsakes them shall obtain mercy. And it's a scripture that goes along with 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess and forsake, then there is mercy to be obtained. So it was God's perfect plan to send Jesus. As Alan spoke last week, Jesus is our substitute. 
The cross has brought salvation to the world. If God brought the greatest good out of the greatest evil, then he can bring good out of what seems to be evil in your own lives today. It is part, all a part of God's plan for your life. My second point is this. The cross was necessary because it was designed by the Father to pay for our sins. To pay for our sins. The cross was part of God's plan because it was the only way to save human beings from their sins. There's a great theologian by the name of John Owen. He says, there is no death of sin without the death of Christ. There is no death of sin without the death of Christ. He actually wrote a book called The Death of Death Through the Death of Christ. Death died through the death of Christ. Jesus, Jesus defeated death at the cross, destroyed it according to Hebrews. Understanding sin is part of understanding the cross. So when you go to witness, or you witness on the job, or you witness at home or with your family, you got to show people that they have offended God. Otherwise, they won't see the need of, of salvation. Sin includes doing what God forbids in the scriptures, such as stealing. Um, okay, how, somebody, I know some of y'all don't, don't go in up in the um, um, grocery store and just take food and take it out. But let's say you may have something at your job and you just take a notebook here, a pen here. Oh man, they got so much. Let me take this uh, extra pa paper. Or maybe use the copier at, at work for your personal use. Or let's, let's hit it back home. Um, um, April 15 just came, maybe lying on your taxes. You know, claiming a kid in Texas who's 48. <laughs> I claim you. Um, so sin is doing the opposite. Um, perhaps it's not caring for the sick or praying for one another or not loving one another. It's amazing that we can love strangers more than we can love our family members that we know very well. It's easier to be nice to somebody you don't know than to be nice to people who, who know you well. Because why? They don't see behind the mask. Um, for ha perhaps it's there's a sin of not studying the scriptures, reading the scriptures daily. Um, I was talking to a member the other day, and they were saying that how they just, I said, when the last time you read the Bible? It's been a while. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, but I see you on playing games. You, you, we make time for everything that we want to make time for. As one saint says, Negro do what Negro want to do. And one mother of the saint who's going to be preaching here soon, she said to me, she said, Black folks do what black folks want to do. I just want you to know that, but you already know that. Because <laughs> you're doing what you want to do. I said, yes, yes, Mom Graham, yes, I understand. But we see that we do what we want to do. And so making the effort to read your Bible daily. Everybody should be using the bathroom. So if that's the only time, pull out the Bible that speaks about the throne of God while you're on the throne and you can get that done. Read through your scriptures. Make it happen. Um, sin is a big problem it, uh, because God is holy. Let's talk about holiness a little bit. God is sinless and perfect, and he, yet he's in another class by himself. He doesn't need any of us. He, he, he's totally independent of his creation. 
And yet, everything about God is holy. His heaven is without sin. Think about it. God's heaven is without sin. There is no, no sinning in heaven. Holiness is still a requirement by God's people. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 2 says, be holy for even as I am holy. God is radically different from us. Exodus chapter 3 verses 5 through 6 it talks about the ground is holy because God is there. So we are called to be God's holy people. If we ever want to get a glimpse of the real God, then we need to understand our need for the cross of Christ. God is so perfectly holy that it's impossible for any sinful human being to stand in his presence without death. Sin brings us under God's wrath and judgment. We deserve to be cursed and damned. Did you hear me? We deserve to be cursed and damned for our sins. Well, Pastor Dwayne, that's not a good message. That's not good news. In order to value the good news, you've got to understand the bad news. This is why the cross of Christ is necessary. It's part of God's plan. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says he shall save his people from their sins. The cross is where God's love and God's holiness embrace. Phil, Philip Ranke says God the Father sent his son, his only son, to suffer and to die for our sin. His life for our life. His plan, his plan for our gain. Here is the love of God. Here also is in the cross is the holiness of God. The death of the death penalty is executed against sin at the cross. The sins of God's people are paid in full. We were so much in debt towards God that God forgave us at the cross. The cross is necessary to preserve God's love and God's holiness. In the salvation of God's people. Amen. Number three, the cross is necessary to save. Anyone who wants to go to heaven must first go to the cross. Everybody won't say they're going to heaven, they're not going to heaven. Um, you must believe that the crucifixion really happened in order to be saved. Did you hear me? You got to really believe that this happened years and years ago. You see the problem with some preachers who do not preach the cross. The gospel isn't saying a prayer at the end of the sermon. <laughs> it's the proclamation of the cross. If we don't preach the cross, then there is no salvation. No Christianity. The cross is necessary for salvation. Let's, let's, let's dive into that. So if people are preaching, but they're not preaching the cross... And people are just saying a prayer at the end of the sermon. Are they really getting saved, though? Because we know, according to Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by what? Yeah. And hearing by? So if the word of God is not being preached, there's no faith. And there's no faith. There's no salvation. So there are people who are preaching, but there's not the cross that they're preaching. Therefore, there's no salvation taking place. It's what, what's, uh, what some call false conversions, people proclaiming to have Christ, and yet they don't know Christ. It's, it's, it's such a, a twist on what people really understand about cross. So if the cross is not preached, then there is no salvation. There's no Christianity. It's, it's only religion through the eyes of men, according to men. It's, it's, all, it's something else outside of Jesus Christ. So you must believe in the real Jesus. 
You, you have to believe that he lived a real life, that he died a real death. This is the requirement for salvation. Salvation requires an understanding that you are a sinner and that you have sinned against a holy God. That you and I have sinned against the holy God. A Bible believer is one that believes that Christ died for them and for their salvation. I believe that Christ died for me. Me, not just don't think of salvation out there or Christ's death for somebody, the worst person that you can think of. Maybe it's a person that molested you or violated or whether it's somebody who stole from you or talked about you. Don't think about they need Jesus, but we all need Jesus, right? Um, that, that phrase, we need Jesus, or they need Jesus. No, we need Jesus. Well, why do we need Jesus? To be a better person? No, we need Jesus because we need his, his death, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Confessing that you need Jesus um, leads you to salvation. It saves you from wrath and the curse of God. It's necessary in order to obtain true salvation. We need Jesus, right? Bill Gates needs Jesus. President Obama needs Jesus. Oprah Winfrey needs Jesus. Are you with me? If we don't have Jesus, we are not saved. Um, so this is where it, it, there's a challenge in Christendom that people are not receiving the real Jesus. They're receiving a Jesus that is a fairy tale, a Jesus that brings their dreams to pass. Believing that Christ died on an old rugged cross for your personal sins, your personal sins. Perhaps we, we are to do this week, I'm not saying that you should let people see this, but maybe writing down your sins as you commit them. Oh, I just did something wrong today. Let me write this in my notes. Reflecting on that and your need for the Christ. You have to believe that no, not, no, not, no other way than through Jesus' death. Jesus died on the cross for the sins, died on the cross for, the sin, for our sins, um, our personal sins. Until you believe that you'll never experience salvation. Again, people say casually, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for sins. Until they realize that they are sinners and they have offended God and, and they won't have true salvation that the Bible promises to those in Christ. The cross is necessary not just in a general sense, but in a more specific sense. Every sin deserves a hell of suffering. Every sin deserves a hell of suffering. And until you have that sober reality that you deserve hell and you deserve the lake of fire, you will not value the cross. The cross was offensive to people um, in the Bible days. It was the worst kind of death that anyone could die. It was execution for murderers, rebels, and those who committed the worst sins or crimes. The cross was also offensive to Jews. Anyone who hung on the tree was cursed by God, according to Deuteronomy 21, 22 through 23. And Jesus became a curse for us. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Galatians chapter 3. If the preacher can find it, right? So before the book of Ephesians, 
Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It says this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that Christ, that in Christ, Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that we may receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So Christ became a, sin, became a curse for us because he hung on the tree. God cursed Christ so that we can receive his blessings. The great exchange. This is why we, uh, the cross is offensive to us. We are wretched individuals who are nothing without the Christ, the Savior. The reality is that we are evil beings in need of the cross. I mean, do you see why this is offensive? So when we talk about the cross and you preach that to people and I preach that to people, you're telling them they are wretched, that they are sinners, that they have offended God. For the most part, everybody thinks they're okay, right? Right? You think you're okay. <laughs> um, why? I think I'm okay. Why? Because the Bible says every person in their own eyes thinks they're right. So we think we're right, and we need a reality check of, of the cross. So the cross says that it was necessary for Jesus to be crucified because of the sins of humanity, including our own sins. The cross says that we are helpless. It says that we cannot get to heaven on our own strength or our own merits. We need someone else to offer his perfect life on our behalf. We need an intercessor, right? We need a, a mediator, somebody to go to God on our behalf. Um, even like in the Old Testament, Leviticus, as, as we were reading through Leviticus, right? We're not in Leviticus anymore, right? We're in where? Samuel. All right. As we were reading through um, Leviticus, it says that the priests used to lay their hands on the head of what is to be sacrificed to pass their sins upon that animal. And then that animal is lifted up as an offering. We serve a God that is glorified through blood. It's a blood, Christianity is a bloody religion. From Genesis chapter 3, we see the God coming down and killing some kind of creatures and covering Adam and Eve. And we see that he institutes this covenant even through Abraham and even through Moses all the way to Jesus. That God is glorified in blood, the blood of innocent animals or animals. In, in the case of our, in our case, in an innocent son, the innocent son of God. So if we say we can't go to heaven on our own strength. We need the Savior. Christianity is different from other religions. We cannot earn our place in God. We cannot obtain eternal life without his total help. You know the saying, God only helps those that help themselves. That's not Christianity. God does not help those that help themselves because we can't help ourselves. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God, but God, it, it was God's help. The death of Christ on the cross proves the helplessness of humanity. The cross says we are helpless and hopeless. It shows that the sin, that sin deserves the wrath and curse of God. It proves that without Christ, sinners will perish for their sins. 
No one wants to be told that they are helpless or hopeless or unrighteous. Therefore, the cross is offensive. The cross is warning that we are dead in our sins and announces that we cannot help ourselves and that without Christ, we, we are without help and hope. So here are some things about the cross before I end. All right, let me go ahead and read it. We have the peace of the cross, Colossians. You can write this down. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 19. The cross brought peace with God and peace with one another. The reason why we can have peace with one another is because of the cross. The cross, the peace of the cross. That cross bridged the gap between God and humanity, between heaven and earth, that cross. Number two um, is the power of the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. It's that power of that cross that saves us. And then the next one is the, tri the triumph of the cross. Col Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15 speaks of how Jesus triumphed over the devil, making uh, open shame of, of him. And then we have the humility of the cross. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And last but not least, the humility of the cross. Philippians 2 and 8. Now this sermon will be incomplete if I did not talk about the resurrection. We focused last five weeks on the cross. But it, without the resurrection, we have no hope. He died and was raised from the dead on the third day. We celebrate his resurrection every day, not only on Easter or the resurrection Sunday. God approved of the death and the life of Christ by raising him from the dead. Let me say that again. God approved of the life and death of Christ by raising him from the dead. Our salvation will not be complete without the resurrection. The cross was necessary, and so was his resurrection. So let's, let's look at why the resurrection is so important. Without it, we will not be saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. Let's go over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17 says this. If Christ has not, has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. So, um, it also says that if, um, that if only in this life we have hope, we are the most miserable people on the earth. <laughs> so there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And so we, we need that resurrection. Without, we are saved because of the resurrection. Not only the cross, but the resurrection. Without it, there is no salvation. Number two, it demonstrated God's power to its fullness. fullness. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. God dis displayed his power by raising Christ from the dead. You know the scripture, right? Romans chapter 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in what? That God has raised. So you got to believe in the resurrection. If, the, if we don't believe in the resurrection, there is no salvation. 
And the scripture verse 10 says, for with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, but with the heart unto justification or, or righteousness. Number three is the source of our resurrection. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So that same spirit that got Jesus up will get us up one day. That's our, our resurrection is connected to his resurrection. And we have newness of life because of his resurrection. That speaks of a newness. Something dead died, something died, and something is alive. There's something new about this life. And so when the Lord saves us, we become brand new creations, right? Something that never existed before. That resurrection gives us power. The, um, Paul said it like this, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Um, so we want to know God in the power of his resurrection. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if, it dwells in, if he dwells inside of you, he will make alive your bodies at the great day. And that great day, if you die before Christ comes, he's going to raise you up. If you're alive, he's going to change you in a twinkling of an eye and you're going to be just like him. That is our hope. You don't believe me. Romans chapter 8. Let's go. Romans chapter 8. Let's look at verse 6, 18. This is my last scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject, subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So we know that you can look at the thing, earthquakes and different stuff. Creation is crying out to be set free. Not only did Jesus redeem us, but he redeemed the world, the earth. Why? How do you know that? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus' blood not only took care of our sins and us to have new bodies, but it also took care of us to have a new world. The blood of Jesus created It's called the consummation of, 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 of all things, that how God, the last days are the, the final things, that the blood of Jesus purchased us to have a new world, a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be something that never has ever existed before. All right. So creation is groaning for, the, for freedom, liberation. I, I often think... And, don't judge me on this. But I often think about um, the whiz. You remember the time when the, the witch died or, or you know, um, he, she got flushed down in the toilet. And then the people, they, they start getting set free. That's what I see as us being set free on that final day. 
that we're gonna, they're going to be dancing. There's going to be a, a, a table for us to eat. There's going to be newness. Everything about us is going to be brand new. Will we be like perfect in the sense of like God? I mean, no, we'll never be like, we'll never be God. But, but we'll be more and more like him. And he's going to teach us his ways even more so. In the, in the eons or the ages to come, we're going to see him better and more like we've never seen him before. This salvation is not just for the here and now. As the old quartet singers used to sing, this is just a rehearsal. For people who, 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 who don't like coming to church, they're not going to like going, being with the Lord because there's going to be singing, shouting and dancing and laughter and, 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 and crying. We're going to cry, Why? not in the sense of sadness, but just to be in his presence. I mean, there's going to be noise and there's going to be silence at the allness of this, the lamb who's going to be the light of that new city. We won't need to have the sun, the S-U-N, because we'll have the S-O-N. He'll be the light of the new city. And we'll sit and we'll stand at his presence, in his presence. There's going to be fullness of joy. We've never known riches and wealth like we're going to know it. We've never known health. Imagine you've ever, whatever you have done to feel the way that you feel or the best that you ever felt or the, the sleep that you ever. I know sleeping on a cruise was the best sleep I've ever had in my life. Try it. Also beware of the buffets at midnight. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's the, some of the best sleep. But we, we're going to have peace like a river. The, prom, the promises of God will be all fulfilled in that great day. There's some promises are for here, but the Bible says in Timothy, living for God, there is a promise for here and after the life after death. Old Quartet says, this is just a rehearsal. We're preparing for something bigger and better. Verse 24, I mean, verse 23, it says, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Our bodies are crying out for freedom. We're going to have new bodies. You may not have got the body that you wanted. All right, come on. And there's some things you can do now, as we heard a few months ago, about our bodies taking care of this temple. But you know your body will never be in a perfect condition. You know, but guess what? I'm going to get my six pack, whether here or later. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was fleshly. Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But we, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So the reason we came into this salvation was not only for now, but also for that which lay, lies ahead of us. Our hope again. Applications. We need to study the cross of Christ. Oh, we need to study sin. We need to study sin. The doctrine, the teachings of sin from the Bible. Why sin? So that we can appreciate the cross. Study the bad news so you can value the good news. 
the gospel is called what? The good news, right? What makes it good is that the bad news, <laughs> that the fact that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't want us to become sin conscience that, oh, oh we're, so, we're so, we're worms and we're, you know, and, and just have a mentality that, oh, God, you know, and just a false humility or, or a falseness of sin, but really understanding the impact of sin. And then value the cross that we are somebody in Christ. Um, we become something in Christ. And number three, we need to share it with everyone we can. Oh, there's a song called The Wondrous Cross. And I end with this. When I surveyed the wondrous cross, oh, which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss. Poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. Save in the death of Christ, my God, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. Father, I thank you for this cross of Christ, not just any cross, but the cross of Christ. May we understand it better. May we grow in our understanding of it, that we are new creations because of the cross. We are dead to sin and alive to you because of the cross. We're no longer under bondage, but we're set free from the law. We're set free from the curse of the law. We've re we redeemed. And in the cross, we find health. We find peace. We find that our needs are met at the cross, both spiritually and physically. We thank you, Father. Help us to be people of the cross and people of the resurrection that, Lord, we can walk in newness of life. There's newness in our lives today. God, I thank you that there's never a bored moment with you. There's never a bored service with you. God, I thank you that there's not a... God, I thank you that even in the dry seasons of our lives, you are the water that we long for. And I pray that you'll pour your water of your word on our lives. Spirit of the living God, fill us afresh and anew. Father, I pray that there'll be newness in our marriages, newness in our singleness because of the resurrection. May we see everything pointing to you, Father, and to your son and to your spirit. I thank you, Father. I worship you. Lift up your hands. With your mouth, just thank God for the cross. We thank you for the cross and the resurrection. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we are not without hope. We're not without help. You are our help. Thank you, Jesus, for being our help. Thank you for being our substitution. Thank you that we can live a, a life worth living. Oh, God, I thank you that we can live again. Oh, God, I thank you. We have not known life. Forgive us for false Christianity. Let's repent for false Christianity. God, even if we don't recognize it like we should, we've, 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 we've drunk the Kool-Aid. We confess that. We, we've drunk stuff that wasn't right. We believe lies about you and, and, and about us. Forgive us, Father. 
And now we drink of the, 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 the oil of your wine, um, the wine, the water of your word, Father. We drink, we pray that you'll open our eyes that we may behold the real truth. Spirit of God, lead us and guide us into truth, all truth. Oh, even as you've been commissioned to, mandated. Oh, God, I pray we have our delight in the Christ. God, we, 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 we cling to him. We cling to the cross. Oh, Father, we thank you, Father. We thank you. It's because of the cross that we, we, we can lift up our hands. It's because of the cross that we're able to, to confess our sins, that we don't have to stay low, Father. For your word declares you made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, and that the nations will be jealous of, of not because of us, but because of you. Oh, God, that you'll give us peace where there is weariness. And, and oh, God, you'll give us confidence where there is um, uh, the, 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 the lack of ability to stand up, Father. We can stand up in you today, Father. In Christ, we can stand. Oh, God, Father, I thank you that it's in him we live and move. I pray that we'll move in Christ today. We'll walk in Christ today. That, Lord, we'll live in Christ today. Father, that, that that would be a reality of our lives, that it won't just be a sermon that we heard about the cross on the last four or five weeks, but that we'll live in you and we'll move in Christ and we'll, we'll have our existence in Christ, that th this faith that was delivered to the saints of old will govern every area of areas of our lives. Father, that, Lord, that we will live by faith in the Son of God. Oh, God, that we would rejoice in, 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 in Christ, God. Oh, that we live in Christ, Lord. That is our, our, our lives. Lord, our identity is in Christ. In Christ. It's in him we stand. It is in him that we have forgiveness of sins. It's in him that we have redemption. That is in him that we have all, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. Oh, God, I thank you, Father, that you deliver us not only for, from, from your judgment, but deliver us from sin and, and sickness and disease and, and poverty and, 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 